Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another A Run and Thought podcast. This is episode number 11, I do believe. I'll go ahead and apologize in advance for all the extraneous noise. Um, in case I have not mentioned it before, we live in, I believe, the largest subdivision in the nation. Uh, six miles wide by six miles long, I guess. So square maybe six miles square. Uh, but anyways, uh, so that said, we live also on one of the busier roads. We're one house away from, uh, one of the busier roads in the neighborhood. So there's constant traffic. Um, our, one of our neighbors, uh, they decided to get, um, roosters and not just one, not just two, uh, but possibly three or four. And so these roosters have no concept of time. They don't ascribe to the uh, cartoon idea of a rooster that only crows in the morning as the sun comes up. These things are constantly making noise throughout the day, throughout the night. And um, the thing about the neighborhood that we live in is that it is zoned for ag lots, residential, commercial, whatever. Like anything goes. So there's little to no recourse. Uh, you know, we could probably walk over and ask them to make the roosters be quiet, but that's never going to happen. So anyways, uh, that's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. Um, I'm able to sleep through most of the night and then... Um, I'm rudely awakened usually around 3 or 4 uh, in the morning, which is fine because I try to get up at 4.20 um, every day anyways just to get my day started. But uh, at any rate, so the crows are going, the dogs are somewhere around. I tried to close some doors just to shield everybody from my voice that's in the house and then also kind of remove some um, extraneous noise from TVs and so forth. But uh, you'll probably hear the cuckoo clock again, and um, you'll probably hear the dogs walk by or drink water or eat food out of their bowl because I'm sitting pretty close to those things. But um, that's just how it is. I, I kind of never set out to have the perfect environment and... Uh, squeaky clean, um, free of background noise type deal. You're basically uh, a guest in my house at this point. So you're just going to have to get over the noise, but I do apologize. Um, hopefully it will add character. So speaking of apologies, um, the last couple of uh, episodes, I literally... Uh, phone them in. Uh, I was um, recording on my phone and I was in my armchair and um, anybody who's ever sat in an armchair in the evening time, which was when I was recording, knows that that is not a good combination for getting any type of um, work or, or anything important done. Usually once your your body hits that chair and reclines, it's... Um, pretty much a done deal. It's a matter of time before you're falling asleep or um, 
extremely relaxed and not even thinking about what you were doing five or ten minutes ago. And so that definitely happened on the, the last couple of episodes. Sorry about that. I'm going to try to not do that anymore. Um, I wanted to test out the, the phone recording with the with the app and, you know, kind of see how that went because I have not always had the... Uh, or So when the opportunity comes to sit at the the Mac. I like to use our Mac because it has a garage band. It's much easier to uh, record on than the PCs that I have the software that I run on, on those. Um, so I, I prefer to use the garage band, but, um, when it is available, I don't always feel like doing a episode and when I feel like doing an episode, it's not always available because other people in the house use it too, which is fine. It's no big deal. But so I was using the phone and um, kind of didn't do very, very well. I don't, I don't think there was a whole lot of substance to probably the last two or three episodes that I did. And there may not be much more to, to this one or future episodes, but at least I'll be, you know, semi lucid um and have some kind of loose uh agenda or um whatever uh things to talk about sorry i got distracted by some loud video in the next room my son is watching youtube he he kind of like he teeters between that and um other normal kid stuff like games on his phone or um cartoons on tv but geez some of those um youtube videos are worse than this podcast (laughs) as far as like you know substance and lack thereof just kind of i guess i'm a parent because i just don't understand but anyways yeah so I'll try not to dial in the um the episodes anymore try to be semi conscious and, and aware as I'm doing these so for anybody that has come back eleven times thank you um for your continued support and yeah listening um I've actually had this week off which is good and um it's been a nice sort of break I've, back in school there's a cuckoo clock i'm back in school so um i've been studying ethics all week so research ethics um and it it was extremely long module that i was doing so that took up you know about half of the the week that i had off um but anyways I've had a, a little bit of free time, and so that's been good. I actually spent most of the day today kind of um, preparing the uh, soapbox at iruninthought.com. So the page called Soapbox, um, just click on the menu, and um, there should be an option called Soapbox. So that's where I typically post things. You can actually um, add a comment or respond to anything that I posted. It it is a site that's built on WordPress, so it's just standard um, 
the standard WordPress blog, you can click on any of the postings and make a comment, submit a comment. I forget what kind of uh, settings I have on it. I don't think you have to set up a user account, but you may have to enter a email. I really can't remember, but at any rate, I just kind of, um, put some stuff on that page. So at the very least, I would have a reminder of all the things that I can talk about. Um, and then also there's a little bit of a um, visual to go along with uh, the audio. Um, so yeah, I guess the, the first thing that I wanted to talk about um, I saw some pictures of a friend that um, he's getting ready to do. I think, I don't know if it's his first ultra, but um, he's getting ready to do the Georgia Duel. And I can't remember what distance it is, but um, I saw that he had done a training run with some friends. And it looked like it may have been in the evening. Maybe not. Maybe I made that up. But um it got me thinking um, about all the snakes that are in Georgia uh, during the the warm months, for sure. They're out, and um, all the poison snakes, poisonous, 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 poisonous snakes, venomous um, that are in Georgia. Uh, and so, I wanted to do. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So, um, and if you don't know, in Hawaii, there's only one, I think, native snake. Um, it looks like a worm. And so you'll have to Google that or search for it. Um, but you can find Hawaiian snake. There's only one. And I think it's, they're usually like about maybe six inches long, like four to six inches. And they look, at first glance, like a worm, but then you look a little closer and they've got scales like a reptile. They're pretty smooth and um, they move like a, a little snake, but they're blind and they live underground and to my knowledge are not um, venomous. I don't think they could bite you even if they were, they're so small. But anyways, uh, so there's that. And then I believe that I saw somewhere um, brown tree snakes have been introduced in order to uh, something, some kind of intervention. I, I cannot remember if it was to get rid of other snakes or, or, or what, but it's supposed to be that we don't have any snakes here. And so even seeing a brown tree snake, um, they are venomous, by the way. Um, but even seeing one, you probably won't. They're so rare. And I think they've been introduced. I might be wrong on that. But so the brown tree snake in Hawaii, if you run into one, is probably not going to be, um, it's not going to be able to bite you and inject venom if you're an adult but small children I guess the, because the um, the venom delivery system like the the fangs and the venom sacs are in the back of the mouth so if it's like a small child they can they can be envenomated by the snake but um, like I say 
probably not gonna ever encounter those on um, the big island or any of the islands and I'm pretty sure like none of the other islands have snakes either but uh, in Georgia they they have a lot of snakes <laughs> and I used to see them when I would go out for training runs and um, be out on the trails all day I would see quite a few actually um, several times stumble across you know like a big black racer and didn't even realize it until I was already over the the top of the thing like you know running like right on top of it and it's pretty startling because some of those snakes can get really big if you do go to runningthought.com and look over at the soapbox somewhere down in that um bunch of postings i've got one called snake and that's an actual that's a video that i took on the side of um the i, I think it was called arabia mountain trail i i think but it's just a looping video of um, what i believe is a black racer um just kind of moving across the path that might not be a black racer i don't know i'm not a um what do you call it? Hang on, I've got it pulled up. <laughs> I'm not a herpetologist. That's the, uh, I had to pull up a thing to, to read that. I don't, I think you probably know by now. I don't know information like that. But so, um, herpetologist, yeah. I'm not one of those. But anyways, uh, over on the soapbox, you can watch the snake go by. And that one is no problem. That's non-venomous. They probably still bite you. Um, though whatever that is, I think it's a black razor. Um, probably still, still bite you if you mess with them, but um, not venomous. So you might get some bacteria, but that's that's about it. Uh, I did see quite a few copperheads. That was probably the snake that I saw the most. So between, you know, like non-venomous the black racer and the uh, copperhead, those made up, you know, probably 90% of the snakes that I ever saw on trail. Uh, so for my friend who is uh, doing training runs on, it looked like some of the actual uh, pieces of trail that are in the Georgia Jewel, um, I would say look out for copperheads. And um, because they're so they're so hard to see, especially um, in fall foliage. So in Georgia, even during the summer, a lot of the leaves that have fallen are still on the ground. They're brown, and uh, copperheads blend right in. And so they, um, I think they can strike. I want to say like three. It may even be more than this. This is I'm just totally making this up right now, basically off of um, memory that may or may not be based on science or fact. So I I believe like three feet, like they can strike three feet. It may it may even be more than that. So if you get close to one, like even remotely close, um, they can probably reach out and touch you. So you just have to be really careful, especially when you're going over, you know, big piles of leaves or anything that's going to camouflage them. Um, 
those snakes were never afraid of me. They never got off the trail. When I would be running and see one, you know, I, I would go way far away from them and kind of go around, but they never, um, you know, acted like they wanted to move at all for me. So I have a tendency to think that either they were really cold. I don't think they were really cold because this was in the middle of, you know, Atlanta in the summertime. So um, probably being cold wasn't the issue. Um, Or they just knew that they didn't want to move and they didn't have to. Um, I'm inclined to think it was the latter. But yeah, so copperheads and then um on the trail around john's mountain and and all um, basically all of that georgia jewel trail you can run into um rattlesnakes so i i think the most common two are um the timber rattler and the um Diamondback. So the the timber rattlers tend to be the more timid, based off of um, my very limited experience and what I have heard from other trail runners that are have way more experience on those trails than me. So if you do see a timber rattler and you've identified it, usually you'll see it slipping away. Uh, like underneath a log or underneath a rock. It'll it'll try usually to get away from you. But like a diamondback, I think their behavior is a little bit more aggressive. You're probably going to hear the the rattle. And then once you hear the rattle, it'll probably be too late. They'll probably be striking at you. Um, One one thing to note, uh, snakes can move pretty fast. (laughs) So, you know, not just striking, but also like slithering so uh yeah just be careful out there make sure that you you know if you're running at night um shine your headlamp around real good and just you know just to make sure there's no no snakes on the side of the trail if you're coming up on you know like a stream or something shine your light around good because there are other types of snakes um that are probably less common to encounter, but, um, like water moccasin, um, I I think that that is the other snake that's less likely to encounter a water moccasin. And I want to say there's a pygmy rattlesnake too. I don't know much about those. Um, never seen one that I know of, but so I've, I've got over on, um, the soapbox page underneath that video of Mr. Snake there is a link to um, some information Uh, and the name of the PDF is Snakes of Georgia and so if you go on that it gives you some information um, for the types of snakes that live in Georgia and this could translate to Um, definitely to other states in the southeast and probably on into um, you know the southwest as well and maybe other areas too again not a herpetologist or any kind of scientist really so 
um, primarily just familiar with Hawaii, which is very easy because there's not any, um, and then Georgia because that's where I saw most of the snakes that I've ever seen in my life. Um, all right. So on that PDF, it says at least 20% of the U.S. population suffers some degree of snake fear. I would say that I'm part of that 20% for sure, because even today, while I was on my run along Beach Road, um, I guess I hit a branch or something with my foot and it moved and I still reflexively, you know, jumped really high in the air. I still uh, am jumpy about anything that's moving um, on the ground. And that just comes from a, um, I guess, a healthy or maybe an agonizing fear of uh, snakes. But uh, anyways, so regardless of the case, extreme fear is unnecessary. Eh, maybe for maybe for you, whoever wrote this. Um, one thing to note, and this is kind of funny, um, field herpetologists consider car keys and a car to be the best snake bite kit. And so I've heard this before, you know, they do sell snake bite kits. I've seen them. We actually had some for sale according to um, Reddit. Um, I heard this uh, secondhand from um, a pretty reliable source, but he was saying that he read there was a Reddit feed that was um, had a picture of um, tractor supply on their clearance bin. They had a whole bunch of snake bite kits and. I, uh, I don't think anybody was buying them because there's no snakes here. Um, so really don't need one unless you're going, you know, you're going to somewhere that has snakes. But then even if you do go somewhere that has snakes, um, everything that I read is counter using any of those snake bite kits. You can probably make it even worse by using those things. And so um, I don't want to completely um, just plagiarize and read off of this PDF. It is available. Um, it's linked from the Soapbox page underneath the snake posting. But I do want to just remind everybody that um, getting back to your car and getting to a medical treatment facility is probably your best bet. Um, don't try to cut the wound. Don't try to suck on the bite to get the venom out. Don't uh, run back to your car. You gotta like try to be calm. Um, keep the bitten area below the heart level. You just want to keep the venom from being circulated as much as possible. Um, if you can identify the snake, great. Um, don't put yourself at risk trying to kill the snake or trying to, you know, get a picture of it. Um, go to the nearest hospital or treatment facility even if you suspect a dry bite. And so a uh, dry bite is um, 
when you're bitten, but little or no venom is injected. And so this happens quite often. Um, so often, in fact, that there's another little factoid on that PDF that says out of 10,000 snake bites in the U.S. per year, only 12 to 15 result in death. So your chance of survival is about 499 out of 500. Um, but yeah, so get to a treatment facility, don't eat or drink anything, no alcohol. You don't want to thin your blood out and make it easier for the poison to circulate. Plus, you're already dealing with the neurotoxin. Why would you throw alcohol on top of that, a CNS depressant? You're going to uh, make yourself go unconscious. You're going to make yourself have a coma or whatever. Um, don't freeze it or apply extreme cold to the area. No shocking, uh, no tourniquet after a pit viper bite. Um, it says it may be helpful to apply a tourniquet after an a lapid bite. I'm thinking that a lapid is probably like a coral snake where it does not have the, um, the big, um, the two big fangs with the huge, um, pits on the, the head. I'm just guessing there. I believe the coral snake has like, um, multiple teeth, that it can, or multiple fangs in its mouth where it can bite. I, I'm probably wrong about that, but anyways, um, if you get bit by a coral snake, that from my understanding is pretty bad, but they don't have, um, they don't have coral snakes up around Atlanta or above. They're really only prominent, I think, in the coastal areas. But yeah. Um, that's all I'll say about that. Just go to the emergency room. Don't try to buy any kits and take them in with you into the woods to try to save yourself from snake bites. It's a waste of money and you're probably going to end up hurting yourself more than helping. Um, so venomous snakes of Georgia, I mentioned before, copperhead, um, two, three feet in length, light brown, pinkish color. So they blend right in with um, uh, leaves that have fallen, and you know, turn brown or whatever. Uh, Cottonmouth, those are more southern, I guess. It looks like, if I'm looking at the map right, those are below Atlanta. So, but just, I mean, they pretty much fill up everything, uh, kind of below Atlanta. Timber rattlesnake, timber rattlesnake are everywhere. So let's see. I want to see if, um, so yeah. So it says on the bottom, this species is passive, if not pestered, rarely attacking if you back away and leave it alone. And so that's been my experience. Usually when I would see these, um, they're going up underneath a log or, or something. You would just see like the tail going away, hiding. Uh, the Eastern Diamondback, 
they don't it looks like north georgia no no go but um south georgia yeah they're down there so it's it's looking for dry habitats and and also wet areas okay so uh, whatever that means so those are the most dangerous um they are huge and they have potent venom so if you see one of those and you'll know because they have diamonds on their backs just like their name uh don't go near them go away from that and then the pygmies, again, it looks like northwest Georgia. And even like the most northeast tip, there's no pygmy there. They're just kind of in the most of like three quarters of the bottom of the state. So wooded areas and swamps. And uh, they're small. People rarely see them. Cold and pine straw are dead leaves. So it doesn't say anything about the behavior. I would say just stay away from anything that is a pit viper. When you see um, when you see a pit viper, they're pretty. I mean, you'll immediately recognize that as a poisonous snake. They have a different kind of uh, eyes, so um, kind of like a cat eye. They, they just look kind of evil with like the vertical slits and um or maybe some of them have horizontal slits too i i think there is a little bit of eye difference among the the different um venomous snakes but uh usually the non-venomous will have more of like the round eyes and round pupils and a much different shape head they don't you just i always just knew Whenever, whenever I saw a pit viper, the head's very distinctive, um, and the eyes too. They're just a, a different, different looking thing. Um, yeah, and so coral snake—they're all along the southern kind of coast. The thing that I think most kids heard um, growing up in Georgia is the rhyme red touch black venom black mm, that's not what i heard um so i heard red touches black friendly jack and red touches yellow kill a fellow so they have different they they have um the same coloration as uh non-venomous scarlet king snake it's red, black, and um, white, I believe. Red, black, and yellow, sorry. And maybe a little white in there, too. So the order and what touches what uh, in these rings around the snake depends on... Uh, well, I help you identify which one it is. So red touches black, friendly jack. Red touches yellow, kill a fellow. Anyways... Uh, that's all I know about, about the snakes. Just stay away from them and uh, be careful when you're out on the trails um, during the day or during the night. I've never experienced this, but I have heard uh, people say that copperheads can be very aggressive and like have come across like a stream crossing in order to get to 
humans on the other side. I don't know if that's accurate, but it's something that I definitely did hear from somebody. So I don't know. Nightmare fuel. Uh, lucky to live in Hawaii. Um, I live on a huge volcano, but at least uh, we don't have snakes. And so you can go to the soapbox, check that out, the link to the PDF and read to your heart's content about snakes. Um, so the other thing I wanted to mention in one of the podcasts that I found in, um, somewhere in my delirious speech, I think I said something about, uh, animals that I used to see on trail. So I mentioned turkeys and then I kind of questioned myself because I was probably half asleep at the time. And I couldn't remember if I mentioned turkeys just because I had seen turkeys that day here in Hawaii or if it was because I did actually see turkeys on trail uh, when I was in Georgia and so it turns out that I was not lying Um, I actually did take a video of the turkeys at one point and I try so I was running when I took this video uh, I used to do things like this, like run and try to capture um, capture things on camera or on video. I don't do that so much anymore, but um, you'll notice the, the image is kind of wobbly. I threw it into um, Premiere Pro and tried to do some um, stabilization, uh, but I didn't quite get it perfect. But anyway, so you can see all of this huge turkey family um, running away from me. And I had some video of deer, some pictures and video of deer, but this was taken on a phone. Gosh, it had to been maybe like 20, 2015, 2014, 2015. So it's been several years ago. So it, it was not even the most advanced phone uh, back then. I think it was like a Samsung Galaxy 3. So the camera was all right, but the camera wasn't great. And um, I'm trying to capture moving um wildlife so sorry if the video is a little grainy Uh, plus it probably had sweat all over it and greasy fingerprints on the the lens and stuff so I did the best I could Um, I didn't think that I would ever even be using this on a website or anything when I took it probably so um, but you can go and see the video that I made Um, turkeys they are out there in Georgia. They're out in Hawaii too. Um, was actually on Mono Road, not last weekend, but the weekend before and saw a bunch of turkeys, a bunch of crazy turkeys. And those turkeys were bigger, I think, than the turkeys I took a video of and posted to arunandot.com. Uh, other wildlife that I've seen down on Beach Road that also posted um, on the soapbox peacocks. I just saw one yesterday, and I believe I mentioned this before on another episode, but just in case I didn't, there is a place that's called the Peacock House informally um, by at least one person who I only know as T that used to come around when I would run 
on Beach Road a couple years ago before I stopped. Um, and then now I'm, I'm running back down there, but I don't see tea anymore. But I do still see peacocks every now and then from one particular driveway. I'm not going to tell which one it is. If you want to see them, you're going to have to go down there every day and um, take a chance that you might uh, see them yourself. Uh, now it's all coming back to me. I think I did mention this before because I had mentioned finding the feathers, peacock feathers, um, at the Kahuku unit of... Um, Volcanoes National Park. So, yep, peacocks are here, and they're definitely down on Beach Road. I saw one yesterday, but he didn't do his tail for me. He just kept it all neatly um, slicked back, I guess. Um, but uh, I linked to a page on Hawaii Aloha Travels site. And that page, it tells you a little bit in kind of um, a short form way, tells you a little bit about um, the peacocks in Hawaii. And it's got some interesting factoids. But anyways, I'll let you read that if you want to. It's on the soapbox. I just thought I would um, bring it up because I thought I had mentioned it before and why not just throw a picture up there too and I wanted to also mention that I saw a peacock yesterday good for me on Beach Road Beach Road has been pretty interesting uh, to be back on I've seen more crazy stuff in a month running there than I saw for about a year um Three, two or three years ago. Another thing that I posted on the soapbox, sorry to shift gears so quickly, but I think I've pretty much um, said all I can about peacocks. Um, so I don't remember if I told this story or not. I think that I might have, um, but you know, all of these episodes are, uh, you know, all. 10 preceding and now I'm on 11 how do I keep up with all this stuff but so if you look at my profile on Strava I actually go like so it says I think it says Clint and then um, in parentheses Alpo and then my last name I think but uh, but yeah so generally it's probably considered a little pretentious to give yourself um, a trail name. Um, usually that's re reserved for other people to kindly give to you. And I don't know if this is like actually an official thing, but I mean, it, it would just make sense that you don't, uh, you don't give your own self a name it wouldn't be like really all that special um yeah yeah so I could come up with, with pretty much anything um that that would be flattering to to me and then call myself that but I don't think it should work that way I think the way that it should go is other people should give you um a nickname that's going to be uh unique to you but then also um 
describe something that you did or something that happened to you or, or whatever. Well, so saying all of that and, and talking about how it is pretentious, I did exactly that thing. I gave myself, um, I dubbed myself Alpo after um, a trip to Arabia Mountain State Park one one day. Um, I used to run that pretty often. That was my go-to because it was only about 15 or 20 minutes away from our house in Decatur. And so I would go run the trail sometimes. There was a paved trail that you could go, I think, down and back. I, I believe it was... Sorry, I would have to look it up, actually. It, it was long. I know that I went down and back one day, and it was some crazy distance. Like, let me actually, I'm just going to go ahead. I've got the computer, so I should just go ahead and look this up just so I can be accurate. And I may have actually been accurate before and looked it up. Uh, Arabia Mountain Path, Arabia Mountain Path Trails. So 30 plus miles of recreational trail. Sorry, I had to step away for just a minute. Um, yeah, so 30 plus miles of recreational trail, 20 minutes east of Atlanta. So you got walkers, cyclists, and joggers on this multi-use trail. In hindsight, I probably... So it's great because of the distance and there's no cars and wouldn't run into too many people. There were several places where you could get water. Um, some of the water was, uh, the water sources were sort of um, questionable, but I never got super sick drinking out of them, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, anyways, uh used to run those trails and what what was I talking about why was that important uh, oh yeah 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 so so yeah so was gonna talk about we'll let this truck pass <laughs> there's a lot of uh, cars that have um, quote unquote uh, performance exhaust around here so will hear them in the background sorry uh several things are, are crossing my mind at the same time so let me just go ahead and get this out of the way um so that i'll quit thinking about it on this path that i'm talking about now um remember when i just said walkers cyclists and joggers so um whether i'm a jogger or a uh, walker or a runner as uh you know totally subjective and to be determined by uh, onlookers. But um, there was definitely a biker on this trail one one time. And so this is going back to snakes um, just for a second. I was going to tell this before, but then I forgot. So now I'm back to it. Um, was on the path trail around Arabia Mountain. There's like a kind of like a visitor's center building, so kind of proximal to that. This guy was riding a bike. I think I had seen him earlier, but I, I come, 
he was he went ahead of me and then I'm coming up behind him and he stopped on the trail. He's leaning over the front of his handlebars. You know, he's got his feet down, bike in between his legs, and he has got his phone out and he's either videotaping or taking pictures of a copperhead right at the front of his bike, like right next to his uh, feet. Remember when I said that, uh, and it's a, who knows if this is actually true, but I, I think that um, in this case it probably is, it holds true. Um, this snake's like right there at his bike tire, like right near his leg, and he's taking pictures of it. And so I don't remember if I told him that I thought that was a bad idea or not, but that was definitely a bad idea. Like, I don't know, man. I wouldn't, first of all, I wouldn't take my eyes off, directly off of that thing to look at it through a camera. And then the other thing is I just wouldn't be that close to it in the first place. Like, that's just asking to get bit. But then, you know, maybe he read that same PDF that I was talking about and he knew that even if he did get bit, he only, you know, he only had that one out of 500 chance of actually, you know, dying. So I don't know. Maybe that was a risk he was willing to take that day, but I thought that was silly. Please don't be like that guy trying to take pictures of everything. Um, and I, I'm a hypocrite because I just talked about how I had pictures of turkeys, but usually turkeys don't attack you. We'll say, don't be like that guy trying to take pictures of copperheads, all right? Or rattlesnakes or anything else that's venomous. So judgmental I am. My bad. Um, yeah, so the thing that I want to talk about, and I got distracted on that, was um, the reason why I thought it was okay to give myself uh, my own trail name. And so before you start in on me, um, I don't tell people to call me Alpo instead of my name. Um, it's just something that I put on Strava and it's kind of a, an inside joke, I guess, for, for me. Um, and you can probably already guess where this is going based off the picture that I posted and probably me telling the same exact story before. But so I'm on this trail. So there's the 30 mile path and then there's also places where that path goes off of the pavement and you go on to areas that are just um, they're just natural trail and so one of the areas that's natural trail is on the Madnock which I talked about before um, Arabia Mountain, I believe, is actually the name of the the Mananak, and I'm probably messing up saying Mananak now. Um, but like Stone Mountain, Georgia, is an example of a Mananak. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Uh, Arabia Mountain is a smaller version of Stone Mountain, I guess, and so you can run all on this thing. But uh, it basically, you just it's a rock outcropping and it kind of just bubbles up but it's solid rock so one day this was like it was getting dark it wasn't dark yet but the sun was definitely on its way to 
to setting. And I'm coming up the side of this hill, this Madanak, modern Madanak. Uh, and uh, I get to a point, so you know, like how you're, if you're running up a spherical surface and there's really not any, it's just like uh, you're running up the side of a beach ball, right? So you can only see, if you look up, you can only see, you know, what's n not being blocked, like where your field of view is not being blocked by the actual surface itself, right? So you're kind of at an angle and you can't see what's on top of the hill until you get to a certain point where your field of vision is not obstructed by the hill itself. So I'm running up um, the side of this thing and um, I see two dogs suddenly out of nowhere. It happened so fast. Um, but these two dogs are on me like fast, like within seconds. And one of them was so excited that he just took a big lunge and a big bite at my calf. And um, he was able to sink his tooth, just one, uh, into the side of my calf and puncture it really good. And it started bleeding. What it didn't, um, I don't think it was arterial, it just kind of oozed a little bit. Lucky me. Um, but so, unlike Hawaii, Georgia is kind of a concern um, for rabies. I believe rabies is 100% fatal if you don't catch it early enough. In this case, I wasn't super worried about that um, because this was a family pet. Matter of fact, even as the owner walked towards me to tell me, uh, don't worry, uh, he's just a family dog. He doesn't bite. Um, yeah, I forgot how I forgot how to do sentence structure there, but so so yeah, I wasn't worried about rabies because the the dog was a family dog and probably was not rabid unless it just got rabies and um, was going to give it to me. But it was a little hairy uh, for a little bit. I contacted, um, I think, like poison control and uh, maybe some other numbers that I was referred to. But it, when you get bit by a dog, um, honestly, nobody cares. Uh, like, if you did have rabies, I feel bad for you because um, it was hard to f figure out, like, should I go to the emergency room? Should I, like, who do I contact to get the, the vaccine for rabies or whatever treatment I need for rabies? Like, I couldn't get straight answers. Um, but then again, I can't even form complete sentences right now. So, uh, maybe it was me, maybe it was my fault that I couldn't get answered on that. So good news is I don't think it was rabies unless it was like a, um, extremely latent form <laughs> of rabies. And it just, it's a late onset, like by six years or something like that. But, um, 
but yeah, so I got bit by this dog and it was all bloody and I was on a run when it happened. So I thought, hmm, well, dogs want to eat me. Um, maybe I'm just dog food now. And um, Alpo is just kind of one of those brands that is familiar. There's a lot of dog food brands, but Alpo, that's pretty, I think it was pretty well advertised um, when I was growing up. So I definitely know what that is. Um, And I thought, well, I guess I'm just Alpo. So that became my name, my nickname on Strava. I don't make people call me that, but that's my nickname. That's why. And so if you want to give me another one, then by all means, please do. I actually do have another one that's real. Excuse me. Sorry, I had to take a break to sneeze. Now my voice is all messed up. Uh, I think there was some dust on this uh, microphone shield or something. Hang on one second. All right, so anyways, if you want to give me another one, that's fine. I do actually have another one, and I can't tell you how I got it. Um, I can tell you that it was nothing sinister. Um, I can't tell you what organization either, because part of being with this organization is that uh, it doesn't exist, but my trail name was Colonel Sanders Secret Sauce. So if you ask me that, I will deny it, uh, as will anybody that knows me by that nickname. But yeah, that was my other one. Colonel Sanders Secret Sauce. Um, Yeah, I digress. So let me look back on the soapbox just to see what I have not covered. Oh, by the way, if you go to the soapbox, there is a post called the night Alpo became my handle and it's got a picture of my leg on that night and a big old puncture wound and some blood going down and my socks all bloody. And I was wearing hokas back then. Um, and I had a pair of speed goats on I don't wear hookahs anymore. It's not that I don't like them. Um, they were all right. The toe boxes were a little narrow for me. Um, I just, I like the shape of ultras better um, for my foot. I've got kind of, you can see that picture too of my ugly foot um, on the soapbox. Just kind of weird looking uh, feet. But Barney Rubble definitely stubby and wide in the front so ultras are work out better for me i would get like blisters and stuff when i wear hokas but anyways moving on um a cool thing that i was reminded of yesterday or maybe it was this morning um i don't usually get on Strava on um, a desktop computer. Usually I'm just on Strava on my mobile phone um, in order to add a 
picture to to an activity or maybe give it a name or something like that or give kudos to people but um i had mentioned before that i've been doing these courses and so like in between the modules or whatever just to for a little break i would have strava open in another um another browser session and um I would go through and like give kudos to whoever had completed activities and just, you know, in general, just like looking around, signing up for challenges, which I'd never hardly do. And, um, just perusing around that app. Um, one of the things that I was looking at and I knew that this existed, I just, you know, had fallen out. It wasn't top of mind, but, um, Strava, they, have a running heat map and so you can update this whenever and they do it for running biking and swimming i believe you can have three separate heat maps for those i'm not looking at strava right now so uh hopefully i got those categories right but I, i believe that's correct i know they definitely do one for running um and that's the one that i have got linked on the soapbox so if you go to the soapbox page you can see um strava heat map post and then down below i've got a link to my heat map and so that's gonna open up hopefully to hawaii and i've never been running on any of the other islands just on the the big island of hawaii and you can see kind of like where i go and where i go most often um it's kind of neat. You can zoom in and um, it's not going to let you change to different views like satellite or um, terrain, stuff like that. It's just going to keep one general formatting. But if you zoom out and you go around the world, you can see other places that I've run before, like uh, Iceland, um, Japan, and wherever else. If you look around Georgia, I've, I've run around Georgia quite a bit. And I think there's something up in Chicago. I started running before I started Strava. So some places like Arizona and and maybe a couple others aren't, aren't on the heat map, but this basically goes back through all of the time that I've been adding activities to Strava and it just creates a heat map out of that. And so it goes from blue to red with red being the spots that I have trafficked the most. And so remember I was telling a story, I think, uh, in one of the more recent um, episodes, and I was talking about Iceland where I was running next to um, kind of like a bay. And I saw that I had seen the sheep and, you know, this idyllic little village and, Um, how neat it was. You can actually see the name of that village. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but you can actually go to Iceland. You can see where I ran in Reykjavik and then also all the way on the other side of Iceland in this this sleepy little town tucked away in the middle of um, a bunch of snowy mountains. Um, But yeah, so kind of neat. And then if you can do this for anybody. I believe you have to have premium subscription or whatever they call it. Summit, I think is the name. 
of um, like their paid version. So if you got Summit, you can create your own heat map. Um, and you can see ones that other Summit members share. I don't know if they offer this on the free version. They, they may. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's cool to, to look at. I posted mine for anybody that's interested. Go look. Take a look-see. Um, I posted a picture of my Stimpy slippers just because I'm wearing them right now. Um, and I like them. Some people probably don't know what Ren and Stimpy is. They were um, not really a famous, but they were a sort of popular cartoon. I think they were originally um, the artist designed them to be more adult type cartoon. Um, so there was a lot of language and um, adult, I think, situations, weir like weirdness, um, for sure. I remember seeing some of the, the those uh, made for mature audience type Ren and Snippy cartoons. Uh, and then even arguably the ones that were made for kids were maybe a little over the top. But um, at the time, I liked them. Uh, and still do to this day, um, Ren and Stimpy, good stuff. I don't even know where you can watch them, but I, I still remember the horse, uh, the horse guy, no sir, I don't like it, um, and Ren, uh, was always being bothered by Stimpy for one reason or another, mostly because Stimpy was always happy and Ren was always, um, upset but yeah so those are my Ren and Stimpy slippers won't spend too much time on those it's just kind of you know now you can see how my feet live when I'm not beating them to death uh, on trail or pavement they live in Ren and Stimpy slippers or uh, Stimpy slippers underneath that I posted the wildlife of Hawaii. And the reason that I posted that was because I've seen a lot of Hawaii's wildlife down on Beach Road of all places. Um, I've seen some pretty cool things down there. Uh, one thing that stood out the other day, I don't remember which day, but the trade winds were very strong that day. And so on the windward side of the island, so that's where I live, and that's the side that kind of faces California. And so we have trade winds that come from the ocean going over us towards Kona side, which is more towards Japan, I guess. Not really close to Japan, but in that direction, right? So these trade winds are really strong on this day, and I look up and I see something hovering in the sky. And so it's really the exception to see anything in the sky. So there are helicopters that fly around, 
like tour helicopters. Right now there's zero tour helicopters flying around anywhere. Um, we don't have, so something I always took for granted or, or not, or however you want to look at it. Um, when we lived in Decatur, we were right in the flight path for Atlanta airport. So one of the runways, we were right in the flight path for that. So we see airplanes all the time. And then, you know, you're running up and down the interstate, you see airplanes all the time. Here, not so much. I mean, we're in the middle of the ocean, so, uh, and we're not on Oahu. There's very little air traffic that comes into Hilo, which is the, where the airport is on this side of the island. There's more that probably comes into Kona. There's not a lot either place right now because of um, COVID-19. But, um, but yeah, so seeing things in the sky is not typical, right? And so I notice something floating in the sky. I look up and it's this bird and it's just hovering. It's not riding on thermals or anything. It's just riding that current, the the um, trade winds that are coming. Uh, it's just sitting there and getting lift on its wings from the air that's coming from the ocean. So it's just kind of hanging out, just hovering. And then eventually it kind of broke off and, and flew down or flew north. I was going south, but uh, I thought that was cool. The bird was just hovering basically. Um, one thing that I did see, and sorry, my mind jumps, uh, talking about things in the sky. Uh, this was cooler than the bird, I think. Now the bird was pretty cool hovering, but, uh, one time when I was down in Volcanoes National Park, this was on the evac route that goes from Chain of Craters Road over to end of the road in... Lower Puna now. So this is a gravel road. I don't remember the the state of that road at the time I was running it. So there has been a lava flow over portion of that, I think. I, I don't know. But anyways, that's not the point. I was running down in this very deserted place. Uh, nobody goes down there. There were People that would go down there when there was lava flow proximal to that area. So you could actually walk out on the lava field. You could look down through uh, cracks in the upper, I guess, crust. And you could see lava flowing underneath you. So like maybe three feet down, there's lava flowing underneath. And you're just like walking on top of it. Um, Pretty cool. Also pretty terrifying now that um, I've actually seen um, a, a real lava flow here and how much material actually comes out of um, those eruptions. Um, I probably wouldn't go back and visit <laughs> any place if there's lava three feet under underneath. Um, but when I first got here, I had the disease of, um, thinking that nothing bad happens here when in contrast, 
everything back. Like you could die any second here. It's like, it's like, it's not as bad as some places, but you know, it, as far as like nature is concerned, extremely volatile. Um, just, you know, you have to be mindful of where you're at and, um, what you're doing here, especially because there's, there's so many humongous forces of nature at play, but I've strayed so far off topic. Um, when the lava was flowing, some people would go down this gravel road. It, it goes about eight miles until it ends, I, I believe. No, four, sorry, four or five miles until the road ends uh, or used to end. And then you would walk out onto the, the lava field out to see where the eruption was going into the sea. Um, that is no more. The lava is not flowing into the sea at this location because it... Um, erupted further down and uh, I don't think it's flowing anywhere now I, I I don't I'm not really up to speed but I as far as I know it's not flowing anywhere along the shore it's probably going like underneath the water or something I don't know I'll ask my friend that works for USGS or um look it up later I'll talk some more about the USGS in a minute um but so I'm running along this deserted road. I could have easily wrapped the story up um, several minutes ago. Sorry. Uh, but that's what I do. I elaborate. Um, so I'm on this gravel road going out and there's nobody else there because there's nothing to see at the end of this gravel road. I'm just down there because I like to go and just clear my mind, have peace and quiet and kind of be a little bit scared because if anything happens there's no way that's going to find me uh for a while like even the rangers don't go down there probably every day i might be wrong on that but um yeah so i'm headed down this road and then i'm coming back and i see something in the sky and i'm like ha somebody's flying a drone along the coast weird so the thing keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger until finally I'm like, that's not a drone. I look closer and it's an osprey. So the, um, well, I think it was an osprey, the Marine Corps aircraft, the one that has propellers that kind of turn up and become like helicopter rotors, you know? So it was one of those. And it was circling, I guess, not circling, but it was flying just right along the coast. Um, maybe it was going to land at Hilo or something. I don't know. It probably came from um, Oahu, one of the bases over there. But you just, you don't see that hardly ever. Um, there's not a huge military presence on um, Big Island. This is kind of more rugged and um, unsettled, I guess, than, than I won't say some of the other islands because I have not been to all the other islands, but I, I think like compared to Oahu, like Oahu is kind of like um, California light, you know, like LA light. It's a city. It's a, it's, you know, it's a thriving city. Uh, here is not like that. It's more laid back, and there's no reason really for 
military aircraft or any aircraft to be um, abundant. So seeing that was really cool. Let me go ahead and change subjects because I think that I've used more words to describe that than were actually required. Um, I could have just said one time I saw a plane and it was really cool. Um, but anyways, it was the type of plane and the circumstance and the fact that I don't think I saw any other person that day. I only saw that plane <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, uh, but back to beach road and other cool things. So if you go again over to the soapbox, I've posted a uh, wildlife of Hawaii and I just thought I would post this up, uh, because I think it's pretty much, it's almost all inclusive of all the wildlife that's on the big island. And this is just um, a picture that I took a while back of the back of um, the park map for Volcanoes National Park. And so it's got an infographic um, with all of the different birds and mammals and they're numbered and it tells you what they are and then there's some interesting factoids on it and so if you ever come to Hawaii and you go to Volcanoes National Park you can have one just like it or you may actually be able to write them and I'm sure that would send you one. Um, one thing that they do have is a whole page devoted to animals on the Hawaii Volcanoes National Park site. And so I've linked to that also. And that will tell you about all the, the wildlife that we have here. Um, spoiler alert, most of it is going to be birds and sea life. There's really not a whole lot in the way of uh, mammals. We have the boars, which I've talked about. Four, there are goats, um, feral, and and um, I guess domesticated or raised, and then there's also sheep, um, different kinds of sheep. There's mouflon. I don't know if we have mouflon sheep on Big Island. We might. Um, I don't think so though. Uh, and longhorn sheep is that a thing? I, don't, I may just be making stuff up. I need to go get my, um, I've got a guide, a wildlife guide that they gave me on our safety course. I need to crack that open so that I can halfway know what I'm talking about here. But anyways, uh, this is a, this one that I've got posted is, a, gives you a pretty good idea of what, um, to look for the bat. We've got bats. That's a mammal. Uh, the, it's called the hoary bat, H-A-O-R-Y, -H or H-O-A-R-Y, hoary bat. And so um, one of the places that I used to run a lot, I don't know if I'm going to be running it much more, um, but the up near the waterfalls, the place they call Narnia, um, the college goes and they'll put up nets and do studies of the hoary bat. So... That's how I first, they first, that's how I first learned of them. 
was through seeing them putting up those nets and asking about it. Um, yeah, and they've even got a picture of a cat on the infographic. And so there are plenty of cats, feral and, I guess, domesticated. Uh, there's a white bird that's listed. And let me see if I can make this big so I can see the name. So it's number 10 on that infographic. And it is called Koa-i-Kea. So Kea means white. And I don't know what Koa-e means, but I think it probably means bird or tail. I'm not sure. Koa-i-Kea. And no uh, disrespect or offense. I, I don't know how to... Um, to speak Hawaiian, so I'm just guessing. I, Kea means white because Mauna Kea is a white mountain, and so that's the only reason I, I knew halfway what Kea means. But um, the Koei Kea, the reason I, I brought that up was the only place I've ever seen that particular bird is out in kind of the desert area of Volcanoes National Park. And so I mean like out in the desert. Um, these birds will be the only life that you'll see out there and they just kind of, you know, fly around. I think they live in the sides of old craters. So they'll build their nest like down in the sides of these craters. You'll see them fly up and out of them. Um, but you don't see many and sometimes that's the only thing you'll see is like maybe one of these birds and they'll just kind of like fly around over top of you and just kind of suss you out and then uh, move on so that it's kind of a nice thing I guess when you're out in a weird area uh, desolate and you see at least a bird sometimes that can be somewhat comforting um, but yeah, so I'm not going to bore you with, with the rest of my, uh, wildlife stories, but a bunch of birds, bats, owl, uh, mongoose, mongoose is kind of a favorite of mine. Um, you see them quite a bit. The story to my knowledge behind, uh, mongoose is that they were brought here during the sugar plantation days to, kill rats to get rid of rats um what the people that brought them here failed to consider is that rats are nocturnal and mongoose like to sleep at night and be awake during the day so because of their sleep-wake schedule mongoose never um were awake when the rats would come out and so they just kind of hang out ever since they were brought over here there's no snakes so there's no like uh well at least there's no snake enemies here to to fight with so um for all intents and purposes they have a pretty easy life here other than getting run over by big trucks when they try to cross the road but yep check that link out and maybe see if you can get 
one of those maps so you can have a cool infographic like me. Um, I updated the post I made on Morton's Toe. I included a link about um, Morton's Toe because I don't think I really even went into why I brought that up in the first place. I didn't mention it just because um, I think I have it um, and I didn't mention it just because it's something novel to, to talk about. Um, the reason that I brought it up was because if you look on um, the pictures that I posted on the runs page of a run and thought you can see under the Georgia Jewel, like in those pictures, I had these crazy blisters all over the um, the front of my foot. Uh, I guess the ball of my foot. It was actually all over the front uh, of my foot, the forefoot, the sole, like underneath. Uh, in the description of Morton's toe, um, they talk about the propensity to get blisters like in the same areas that I do get blisters like even if I've got on shoes that are wide enough I get these weird blisters where you would think that my feet were like bunched together but I don't think they were um, but anyways so the link that I posted it just tells some more information about Morton's toe way better information than I just gave right now and definitely than I gave um, the first time that I mentioned this. Uh, and then it also kind of tells about um, Morton's toe and uh, running or things that you might may um, experience due to Morton's toe. Like talk about um, calluses, at the second metatarsal, um, black toenails, bruising, overpronation, blah, 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 blah. So you can read on that and go down a rabbit hole if you want to um, with the link that I provided. And again, that was under um, the post that I did of my feet where I asked the question, Morton's toe, question mark. Um, and then I put a caption on there, like the blue dress, white dress conundrum. Hopefully that, you know, people get that. Um, a couple of years ago, people were fighting, not fighting, but people were arguing over whether this picture of a dress was blue and black or uh, white and gold. And then there were other things similar to this. Like there was one where some, was the person saying Yanni or something else I don't I don't remember that was the joke that I tried to make there it was you know I'm not really sure if all those toes are equally long or if I do actually have Morton's toe I'm not really sure maybe I'm a hypochondriac but I posted that for your um your enjoyment I guess look at my feet uh, talked about the heat map. So yeah, I talked briefly about the volcano observatory and the status of the eruption, which I'm totally ignorant of. 
if you want to get wise to that kind of information, and I definitely need to do this myself, you can go to the link that I posted underneath. Um, so go to soapbox on runningthought.com, and then I have a post called Hawaii Volcano Observatory. There's a picture of Mauna Loa that I took from the desert area that I was just talking about where you see, you may see some of those white birds. Um, and underneath that picture is a link to the U.S. Geological Survey Hawaii. And on that page, you can find um, a map of Hawaii. And it actually starts off with Hawaii and then um, Maui. And you can see Haleakala is, um, there's a little symbol to note the position of Haleakala. Hualalai, Mauna Kea, Mauna Loa, and Kilauea. And so those are the main uh, volcanoes. And then the green normal status right now as of the recording of this podcast uh, for Kilauea and then Mauna Loa is yellow advisory. It pretty much stays on that. Um, I, I want to say that Mauna Loa is erupting constantly. I may be wrong on that. I probably shouldn't say that. Anyways, go to that link and, and read on the USGS page because they keep track. They um, put sensors out and monitor seismic seismic activity and all kinds of other stuff. The the movement. Uh, I don't profess to to know this uh, to know what I'm talking about here. But so my understanding is they put like GPS um, units at different positions, and then they kind of measure the curvature of the Earth uh, through you know, the line that intersects these um, GPS units. And so they can tell if there's, you know, if the earth, the shape of the earth is changing or the shape of Mount Lowe is changing or whatever. And so they can sort of predict um, volcano threats and stuff through that. Anyways, uh, you can see news, uh, the advisory level. Um, you can see the names of all the the main uh, volcanoes there is history it looks like of lava flows or eruptions and all kinds of other goings on um, i have a friend that actually works for usgs i'm not going to say their name here um, because they probably wouldn't like it but um you may see them on there you might see a picture of them on there doing what they do uh yeah but you can read about volcanoes earthquakes which is another thing that we have from time to time here in hawaii um, one thing that you do see is a picture of kilauea and right now that is empty the crater well it's not empty it's filled with water um i came across some pictures today while i was looking for a picture to make to add to the post that I put up. Um, I found some pictures that I had taken of um, the Kilauea crater when it actually had lava in it, like lava bubbling over. And so 
um, that was only maybe like a couple months before it, um, it started flowing like down towards the Lani Estates. Um, yeah, so maybe at some point I'll post those up. But, uh, but yeah, so check out the USGS page if you're interested in those kind of things. Um, again, volcanoes, earthquakes, hazards, they'll tell you about their monitoring. Um, there's a link called Learn. It's got some old pictures of the Jagger Museum when it was actually open. It's no longer, I think it was all but destroyed by um, the last eruption and the subsequent earthquakes, seismic activity. Uh, there's multimedia, so you can actually see um, webcams, and videos, image galleries, and stuff like that. So it's a cool thing to look at. It's a big part of Hawaii. So remember in a previous podcast where I was talking about, like, you can go to a place, right? So you can come to Hawaii, and you can get a little hula girl at the store to put on your car dash when you go home or you can buy a ukulele and um you know take it home with you and you know maybe play it a couple times and put it down let it collect dust or um you can go to like a disney resort uh with moana characters or something like that and um think that you've come to hawaii and then that you've gotten the full experience. That's that's one way to, I guess, experience Hawaii. But then um, the other way is to actually get out, like I was talking about before, like running, especially and if you're, if you're hiking or camping, I guess it would be kind of a similar thing. But running lets you cover a lot of distance in a relatively short amount of time. So hence you see... I guess you cover more ground. You don't necessarily necessarily see more stuff, um, but you cover more ground. You get a little bit better idea of the lay of the land. Um, And so what you will find if you run around Hawaii enough, and so the average vacation of like two weeks or whatever, is probably not enough time, but there's so much awesome stuff that is not part of you know, the normal, um, you know, like what you would do if you got off the cruise ship and took a guided tour around, right? So there's that, but then there's the other thing of like everything else that um, Big Island has to offer and the other islands too, I'm sure. Um, And that is the same probably anywhere you go. So you can do the cookie cookie cutter uh, guided tour or you can get out and explore. And so if you get out and explore Hawaii, you'll you'll see that a big part of it is um, the geography and the makeup. And and, uh, you can see every, I believe Big Island has every major biome except for arctic so you can see all of that desert tundra all of that i didn't pay that much attention um to science when i was (laughs) when i was in high school so i don't remember all the major biomes but um we have most of them here except for arctic and even that 
Um, we do get snow on um, the top of Mount Kea. So, not Arctic, but, um, you know, cl close enough. Closest we'll probably get for the time being. But yeah, so check out the USGS site just to get like a little more insider in depth. There's more to Hawaii than, you know, the Americanized version of um, of what Hawaii is, I guess. And I'm not judging. I had pretty much the same perception before um, we visited and then later moved here. Um, there's just, it's so much not that and, and so much that uh, has so much more to offer in, in terms of um, nature and the lay of the land. But anywho, I digress. Let's see, what else did I post about? I've lost my place. Let me go back. Do, 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 do. And so now you can't go anywhere, though. That's the thing. Like, you have to go online and read about Hawaii or anywhere. And I'm, I mean, that's not news. Everybody knows that. Um, which, speaking of, I hope everybody that is listening is okay um, and staying safe and still practicing social distancing because I don't know. I'm no doctor, obviously, but I don't think it's time to um, to stick our heads out of the hole quite yet. Um, I think you'll probably see your shadow at this point. Maybe just stay in your house for a little bit longer. But um, and in all seriousness, if you are out there and you are having trouble, or not trouble, I don't want to uh, marginalize it or diminish it, if you're having like outright hardship because of, um, you know, job woes or if you're sick or whatever it is, um, I hope that that will improve. My heart goes out to you and um, stay strong. Hopefully you're getting out, you're able to get out and do some kind of physical activity. If you are and you're not, um, please do that because it can help um, it can help you. It helps me with, with my mental state and um, to decompress and uh, to feel, you know, if nothing else goes right in a day, if I can get out for a little run um, or if I can do some kettlebells or something, at least, at least I had control of that hour or so. And I did... Um, I did what I was able to do, right? I did what I, was, what I needed to do. I feel like I accomplished something. But anyways, I don't want to get too preachy. The, the main thing is I hope everybody's okay and um, just stay strong. We'll get through it. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. So I got so into just talking about the the post, the stuff I posted that I've forgotten what else I wanted to talk t about other than the stuff I posted. Maybe I should just stop for now because I think I've been going for quite a while. Um, 
things I've seen on Beach Road, just real quick. So, um, and I won't, I'll try not to get too elaborate into stories about these. Okay, but so the first one, gunshots for sure. Um, somebody was firing a gun as soon as I parked. Um, this was last week, I believe. I parked my truck. I'm getting ready to get out. I hear multiple gunshots. It definitely was not fireworks. I don't know if somebody was hunting uh, out in the area. There, I don't think they're supposed to be. But um, heard gunshots, started my truck, moved about, <laughs> I guess, like a half a mile or so up the road, parked, and then ran uh, away from where I had heard the gunshots. But I still got my run in for that day. I, I would hazard a guess that it was hunters and, and nothing more sinister than that. But you can never tell. Uh, let's see what else. I think I talked about seeing the horse, the lady on horseback. That was cool. Of course, there was the peacocks, um, the bird that was hovering. Um, I don't think I talked about this guy. One, one day I came back to my truck and it was dark. Um, I had gotten out a little bit late and I had run all the way down to the lava flow and back. So, um, about eight and a half miles and had run into into the the night like the sun had gone down it was dark out uh, I come back and right next to where my truck is there's a dude standing with his back next to me and he's got a fire going which there's really no need to have a fire going in this little place that my truck was parked and there's really no need um to be next to my truck at all I don't know so the first thing I thought was like why is this dude next to my truck and then secondly is like why does the dude have a small fire on the ground and then the third thing after I actually paid attention to him I may have mentioned before I don't typically I, devil may care like whatever you're doing whatever you do I, don't, I try not to get in people's business but I couldn't help notice this guy because it was dark and he was right next to my truck and he had a fire going and he was riding a dirt bike. But anyways, uh, or he had a dirt bike parked in like right next to where he had the fire, which I thought was odd. But so, um, so yeah, so I come up, I say hi so that I don't startle him or, you know, not hi, but something to that effect. How's it or whatever. And um, this startled him so much that he made some kind of noise. I don't remember what it was and like jumped. So I had scared him. Then I, because I had scared him, I paid closer attention to him. I noticed that he was in the middle of peeing. Like, and so I had basically run right up on him while he was peeing next to my truck and his fire and his dirt bike. Um, and I had startled him. And so I think because I had, I had stumbled upon this, he wanted to let me know that he... Um, was in no way um, like trying to be an exhibitionist or whatever. So he immediately asked me something about Tom Brady um, going back to somewhere. I don't know. I thought Tom Brady went to Florida. That shows how much I know about football. But he immediately jumps in to ask me this football question. I'm like, dude, I... 
I thought he was in Florida. I, I thought he just got a ticket in Florida for being out um, during COVID lockdown or whatever. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of funny to me, humorous to me. I don't tell, I don't tell it good. So that's why you're not laughing. But it was funny, trust me. Uh, the climbing wall. Well, I really just changed subjects. Um, I think that's all the cool stuff that I've seen on Beach Road, to be honest. Other, I mean, other than the, the views and the really nice smells. And um, if you look at my Strava feed, you'll see pictures of Beach Road posted up. If, you know, because I'm definitely not doing it any justice, like with my descriptions, but it is a beautiful area. Um, I think I talked about the lady that came running out screaming bloody murder. Um, and it turned out she was just looking for her little dog. If I didn't, then I, I just did. So it, there's a, I don't want to stereotype, but there's a specific type of, of person that lives here. And this person is a, a little old lady with gray ponytail and kind of like far out um, personality, right? So everything is a super emergency, like even stuff that's totally not. Um, like this lady's dog had run not away, but it was chasing a cat in the middle of, um, the Puna jungle, I guess, for lack of a, well, I think that's an accurate term, but this lady's looking for a dog. She's screaming bloody murder. I mean, like I thought that somebody was chasing her with a knife or something. She comes running out, uh, you know, and I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I'm looking for my dog. And like when she said it, like the implication was she she wanted help, but then also her behavior was that she couldn't be bothered with me. Like I was unimportant at the moment. Like she couldn't even be bothered to ask, like, can you help me look for my dog? It was just implied that I should, that I was now responsible to help her look for her dog. But anyways, found it like two seconds later. Um, she didn't say thanks, but... It's a particular kind of person that, that lives here. If you if you are here, then you'll know exactly the type of person that I'm talking about. Little old lady with a gray ponytail. They're a standard issue, uh, and they're dispersed all over. And they always are... Um, they always have weird ideas. Like, weird narcissistic ideas, about, like, worldviews. But anyways... Um, I think that's all that I've got. I don't even think that... Have I talked about running at all? I don't think so. Uh, but I wanted to talk about something at least sort of halfway interesting and be kind of awake for some of this stuff. So um, there's really not that much running going on. I could talk about running, but it would just be, you know, hey, I went to Beach Road, and then I went to Beach Road, and then I also went to Beach Road. Um, I guess one cool thing that I may have talked about before too, see, it's all running together, but, um, I, I was able to go to Mono Road. I think I talked about this before, but it was beautiful. Um, if you are coming to Hawaii, if you live in Hawaii and have never been to Mono Road, 
I highly suggest it. Um, with the following uh, caveats, leave your trash in your vehicle. Um, leave things as you found them. Be respectful and uh, enjoy. I think that's like 30 miles of um, unpaved trail. So very nice. And it's at a lower level than some of the other trails that are around Mauna Kea. So you don't get the altitude kind of off feeling. If you like that sort of thing, there are trails that are up higher that you can go on. And the views from those trails are spectacular. But they're rough trails and they're at altitude. So if you're, if you're not like me, and that doesn't bother you, it'll be perfect. If you're like me, anything above like like 11,000 feet, I start to get uh, really weirded out. But, but anyways, um, I tried to go on a run at a place. This was like a new trail. I'm actually going to have to bring this up so that I can pronounce the name right. I'm going to have to see if I can find this. Because I wanted to go to this place, but I ended up getting like wasn't able to find where the trailhead was. Kind of messed me up. I think that this deserves a post with some maps and um, some further explanation. So the other day I signed up for so many challenges that it has completely filled up my timeline and now I can't see this activity hang on let me let me get on my phone here just a minute Let's see if I can pull up this old message alrighty do 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 Almost there. Almost got it. Okay, so the name of the trail is Humuula. Humuula Trail. And that's not the one that goes up the side of Mauna Kea. This is one that's lower elevation. Um, I believe it starts somewhere around 2,000 feet and it's kind of more proximal to the Hamakua coast. So this is supposed to go from around that Hamakua coast type area all the way up to Mono Road, where the old ranger check station still is, but I don't know if it's used as a ranger check station anymore. I know exactly where this trail is supposed to end, but I tried to get to the, the trailhead at 2,000 feet elevation, and I ended up, I think, on 
private property, which I try not to ever do, um, that I was following the GPS directions that were given on the official trail website. And that took me through what I think was private property on four by four trails that like made me extremely nervous uh, in my Tacoma with regular street tires. I've got a four by four, but I don't have like knobby tires. I was so afraid of getting stuck out there. But anyways, I'm afraid of everything. So nothing new there. But yeah, so trying to get up to that, I could not. My understanding is from talking to some others that for for running purposes, it probably was not worth the effort required to get to it. The weird thing is, like, I think the actual way that you are allowed to go, they had signs posted, private road, no trespassing, no hunting. Um, and then right below that sign where it says no, no trespassing, no hunting, private road, it says gate lock 7 to 5... 7 p.m. to 5 a.m., no hunting, trail access 2.7 miles. So that kind of seems like you can use it, but then the sign above kind of seems like you can't. So there's a lot of places like that in Hawaii, um, including the place that I used to run a lot where it's the same exact situation. You got a sign up top that says access by permit only, and then a sign on the bottom that's like a typical like boilerplate sign that you see in a lot of places where you're allowed to go. And it just says, you know, like basically don't start a fire. This is public land for everyone's enjoyment, blah, blah, blah. So the message is really unclear. I try to stay on the cautious side and not trespass on to property that may be... Um, Uh, no trespassing, not supposed to go on it. And I think that's a good rule of thumb to follow uh, if you are visiting Hawaii or even if you live here, just kind of err on the side of caution. Some people don't. I don't think that's a really good course of action um, for a lot of reasons. Safety and respect and all of that. But I think that's all I've got for tonight. Hopefully um, I've amused you or kept you entertained for a little while. And I will hopefully be back soon. I've got another couple of days off. So maybe I'll see something cool or do something cool or think of something um, interesting and noteworthy and put another one of these episodes together. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to me for however long this has been. GarageBand doesn't tell me um, hours. I think it just goes by seconds. So this is about 3,300 seconds or bars. It says bar, bar beat tempo. Yeah, I have no clue. But anyways, uh, until the next time, everybody stay safe. Um, if you are having a rough go and um, you you want to give up, don't give up. Um, get out there and remember that just because 
this is what happen is happening now. It doesn't mean that this is what's happening forever. And like I've said before, it's true in ultra marathons and it's true in life. Um, it doesn't always get worse. Sometimes it actually gets better, even when it's going really horrible. Uh, and you think that there's no redemption, sometimes it actually does get better. And nothing's permanent, good or bad. So hang in there, um, stay safe, keep washing your hands, stay at home. Um, except for go, go out and do some, some running away from people. But that's it. Until next time, peace out.